This week on Writers Inc. I personally believe a good brand needs style guides so that it's consistent. So we recognize Starbucks, we recognize UPS, we recognize those brands because they're consistent in look and feel. And the same is true for an author. Whether you are traditionally published or indie, writing a good book is only the first step in becoming a successful author. The days of just turning a manuscript into your editor and walking away are gone. If you want to succeed in today's publishing world, you need to understand every aspect of the business. Editing, formatting, marketing, contracts. It all starts with a good book. Then the real work begins. Join international best-selling author J.D. Barker and indie powerhouse Jay Thorne as they gain unique insight and valuable advice from the most prolific and accomplished authors in the business. The publishing world is changing, adapting. Do you have what it takes to become a full-time writer? If you're willing to do the work, we'll give you the tools. Get your notepad out, school's in session. This is Writer's In. All right, well, congrats to our cover model today. <laughs> that That's always cool, but like it made me think like I need to get some new pictures because I think that picture was at least four or five years ago. Yeah, um, it did yeah, look so, recent. <laughs> oh, that's me. <laughs> I've, I've been locked in the house. Um, yeah, so I made the, I made the cover of the Big Thrill, which is which is really cool. It's, it's always nice to see my name printed bigger than David Baldacci. <laughs> Heck yeah, yeah, that's great, um, man. Seriously, congratulations. Thanks. Um, yeah, it's been a, it's been a crazy week. I got my first COVID shot on Monday. Um, then I, I went home and kind of sat in a dark room and waited for all the side effects to hit me. Um, none of none of which came. Uh, like my arm was a little bit sore. You know, like it, it felt like somebody you know punched me with a knuckle or something right there. But that that was kind of it. You know, so very anticlimactic. Um, next one is scheduled for like I think April twenty fifth, and then I guess I'm in free and in the clear, and I can burn all my masks. There will be a mask burning in the the front of the house. <laughs> Um, uh, apparently for six months, that's what the data I read today was that the Pfizer vaccine will guard you for at least six months. So, yeah, but that I, I read that same thing and that that could, you know, obviously stretch out because they just they don't have any data. You know, so we, yeah. we we have to get a couple of years. I mean, for all they know, this could work for the next 10 years or it could be seven months. You know, that just yeah. nobody nobody yeah. has a clue right now. A lot of people pretend to know. Um, I don't know if you guys saw this, but but News Corp um, bought HMH, one of my publishing companies. I did oh, see that. I didn't. I missed that. Yeah. So I, I guess at some point, um, sometime in the near future, I'm going to get folded into Harper Collins. Um, wow. I talked to, talked to my agent about this a little bit, trying to figure out what what this all means. And you know, like my first thought was, "Wow, I wonder if I can get my rights back." Um, and, and she said, "No, because I, I, I'm I'm selling pretty decent, and it, you know, they typically don't do that kind of thing." So I, I think from my standpoint, not a whole lot's going to change. The only thing that's actually got me worried is, you know, like I, I knew everybody at HMH and, and Bruce Nichols was you know the, the president there for the longest time, and now he's over at Little Brown. Um, he was instrumental in getting HMH books into Kindle Unlimited, and as far as I know, they're the only you know, big publisher that that actually does that. I know Harper Collins doesn't. Um, and you know, my four MK series, all three books are in in Kindle Unlimited, with the first two being published by HMH and the third one published by my own imprint. Um, so I don't know how that's going to shake out. Um, it sounds like it's going to be about eighteen months to two years before before everything you know kind of kind of comes together. But that's got me a little bit nervous. Yeah, that's interesting. I saw Hugh Howie had a had kind of a funny tweet. Like, apparently, HMH was bidding for wool early on and didn't get it. And now he's like, and now they're going to get it because <laughs> I guess they're buying, you know, one of the imprints that it's on now. So, well, I, I think they've got print rights, but they don't have ebook rights or something. Unless he ended up going with somebody else. I, I, I know he had something like that with, with, oh, them. Yeah. um, yeah. 
but yeah, so we'll, we'll see how that all plays out. And then they had, um, I, I talked to a couple employees there and I guess they pulled them all into the conference room and said, don't worry, your jobs are secure. Nothing is changing. And, you know, they, they, they had that reassuring conversation and, you know, I worked in finance long enough where I, I saw enough mergers and I, I know that that conversation always happens. And then immediately after that changes start happening. Yeah. Um, you know, so hopefully these people are smart enough to, you know, get the resume tidied up and, and hopefully, you know, figure out where they're going to be in the next couple of years. Cause you don't want the, the company to make that decision for you. Right. Right. So we let's go. Us updated. So yeah, what's yeah. going on with you guys? I survived a flood. <laughs> Congratulations. So, yeah. So there's. Uh, I I did want to bring it up because several people reached out to me, make sure I was okay. So thank you to everyone who reached out. But we got uh, we got lucky right where I'm at and stuff, and we just had a bunch of rain and thunderstorms, but not too far from us. Um, you know, we there was some pretty bad damage, and um. You know, I actually sent Jay a video. We, my wife and I drove by yesterday, uh, a park near us, and there's a, uh, I'll go, there's a greenway out where I will go ride my bike pretty regularly. A few times a week, I'll go out there and do about 15 or 16 miles. And uh, there's parts of that greenway that's under like six or eight feet of water right now. Wow. It was crazy. It just looked like a lake out there now when usually it's just open grass and like the trail and stuff. Um, so, uh, yeah, so I survived that and I just, I, I mostly want to bring it up just to thank every people who reached out. So, uh, you know, cause it was definitely reminiscent of floods we had here several years ago, which were very, very bad. <laughs> so flooding uh, is, it, is, it's a weird thing. Cause we, we used to go through that down in Florida with some of the hurricanes and like my mom's house one time, she got like four feet of water in there and it, it sneaks up on you and like, it's so quiet, you know, and you just, you get a lot of rain and then all of a sudden you see, you know, like there's a little water sitting out in the front yard and before you know it, the streets, you know, underwater and you know, there's like, there's nothing you can do to, to stop it, you know, and it just, it, it's so destructive, but like so quiet all at the same time. It's, um, you're, you're lucky, man, that you got to escape yeah. that one. Where, where we are, we're good. Like downtown Nashville is right on the Cumberland river and, and the sit and downtown like is in a Valley kind of. So, I mean, it was like, when we had the flood, I got, when was God 2010, I think it was 2010. Um, it, yeah, it was, I mean, that was really, really bad. I mean, there were like, uh, there's a famous video of about God, six miles from my house, maybe of an 18 wheeler floating down the interstate. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, yeah, it was so it's uh, we're definitely can get that can happen here. And and so we had like a tornado in my area on Friday and then the flooding over the weekend. So it was luckily I missed all of it. So yeah. so maybe some locusts or something this this weekend. Man, who knows? And then another plague. Murder hornets or something. <laughs> yeah, so. Uh, in somewhat unrelated news, do you guys see that uh, George R. R. Martin signed a deal with HBO and HBO Max? I, I did see that, and you know, like I, I just want everybody to leave this guy alone long enough to finish that book that he's been working on for the last fifty years. You know, like what's he going to do with with five more TV shows? Like, does he really need to be pulled in in, in a couple more directions right now? They seem like they're Game of Thrones spinoffs too. Some of them. I, I think so. That that's kind of what I got out of it. I, I think it was, um, if I remember, I like said a couple hundred years or something earlier. Um, earlier, yeah, yeah, and based on the the families. Yeah, um, you know, cool stuff for sure. I just I just hope that they're you know not waiting on George to put it together. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's not going to finish those. Uh, I'd be surprised if he even finishes the books. You know, so yeah, it's it's crazy. And um, yeah, I, I like my whole thing, and I understand why Hollywood does this, but why more Game of Thrones? Like, and I know the answer. I know because that one did so well. But there's money. so many other. Yeah. I know it's money. I know. I know. I know. It's <laughs> like the, they always go back to remakes and sequels and stuff. But there's just 
like what if they never took a chance on Game of Thrones? You know, like they would have never known. So there's so many other awesome fantasy worlds they could adapt to replace it. You know, and and at some point it's just they're just going to oversaturate. Like I wish they would have done. I know this is going to be a movie, but I wish that HBO would have done Dune. Like I think that would have been really cool as a TV show, and 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 would have fit better than in a movie type of. But I don't know. There's just so many out there. I'm just kind of like, why more Game of Thrones? <laughs> you know. But anyways, that's my mini rant. So we'll see. I'm, yeah. I'm, it would be it'd be great to be in in Martin's situation. Oh, I'm happy. So. <laughs> That's a, no, it's it's amazing for him, you know. Yeah. So very, yeah. and it, it's 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 definitely it's definitely cool to see the adaptation stuff happening. But I just wish that they would do something else. Yeah, I, yeah. I got to talk to him a little bit at um, the last Thriller Fest, and and that is one happy guy. Yeah, <laughs> there there is absolutely nothing going wrong in in that guy's life. He's just <laughs> nice. he's all all smiles and just you know. But big giant bundle of of rolly joy, joy, I guess is <laughs> easiest way to explain it. I yep. wish I could buy the house across the street from me for an office. That's all I'll say. <laughs> <laughs> like he did, so you know that'd be pretty yeah. awesome. I'm ready to make a bid on my neighbor's house. She's she's back at it over there. Oh, so, like, the first thing I, I I'm like I I looked over there and I'm like I'm just gonna buy her house and bulldoze it and turn it into <laughs> a giant sandbox for my daughter just to get this woman out of my life. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, uh, I talked. I talked to somebody is, after that who talked me down a little bit. Yeah, all you gotta do is get a sign a big HBO deal, and then you can do that. <laughs> yeah, just, just what I need is another house. Yeah. Oh <laughs> uh, well, before we get to our guest today, we want to give a nice shout out to our wonderful sponsors, Tara and her team over at Kobo Writing Life. They allow you, the author, to take your self-publishing career into your own hands. Remember, they've got monthly promotional opportunities and you don't have to be exclusive. So by all means, if you are publishing wide, head on over to KoboWritingLife.com and sign up for an account today. We also want to give a nice shout out to all of our uh, patrons over at Patreon.com slash Writers Inc. Podcast. Uh, we just did our monthly Q&A episode for patrons only. So if you're interested, head on over and check that out. Uh, quick programming note. Uh, we announced last time that Andrew Peterson was going to be our guest today. Uh, he is not going to be the guest today. We, there was a, a, a scheduling snafu, and he was not able to uh, con uh, jump on the interview with me. So um, we are going to be talking to Jennifer Thompson today at Monkey See Media. Um, should, should be an interesting conversation. Uh, I don't know if either of you guys have uh, entertained any type of branding help or support, but I think that's what Jennifer does with her company. I, I'm I'm definitely looking forward to it just because that's you know it's one of those things I think a lot of authors don't actually think about you know they, it's all about selling that next book but you know like I, I've been I've tried to be conscious of creating a JD Barker brand um, around all my books but I, I think she takes that a lot further um, you know and actually it just I, I, yeah I, I'm I'm looking forward to it because I've heard her talk in, in other places and I, and I think she's got a lot to offer that that most authors probably would not consider yeah same here cool all right so here she is Jennifer Thompson. I would love to know why the year of the monkey is a good year to start a business. Mm, well, if you look up the year of the mon monkey and the Chinese zodiac sign, it is a, an auspicious year to start a business because it's good for fi making financial decisions. Apparently, there's certain zodiac signs I don't know what it's called in Chinese <laughs> zodiac, to be really honest with you. <laughs> and that's not why we named our business the, the monkey, Monkey Scene Media. It just happened to be the year of the monkey. But 
apparently it's a really good year to make financial decisions, to start new businesses. And there are other years that are apparently bad for that. So I guess we got lucky. Yeah, it's good. Timing. I don't know what else to say about it. It was good timing. <laughs> it was just kind of funny that after we named it, Monk, you know, the company Monkey C Media, we realized that we happened to be in the year of the monkey. And I thought that was kind of funny. Yeah. So it's a cute story. People always ask us, so how did you get the name? And honestly, it's not like we sat down and thought, we really want to name our company company after a monkey. <laughs> it was more, we liked the way it sounded. We like monkeys. They have a lot of energy, Monkey C Media. And originally the letter C was a copyright symbol because we were primarily working with authors. And when I went to get our business license with the city of San Diego, they said, well, you can't have a symbol in your name, in your DBA. So then the copyright symbol became the letter C. And of course, we also do video and now podcasting. So the media part was just a no brainer. Monkey C Media. So here we are. Yeah. Gosh, how many years later? 16, almost 17 years ago. Well, let's, let's go back there for a second since you brought it up. 2004, okay. 2005, tell me what's happening in your life and uh, would you have made the same decisions then if you, if you had to do it over again? Well, I can't say that I would. Starting Monkey C Media was not in the plan. Chad and I were actually working for a magazine. I was a writer, I'm a journalist by trade, and Chad is a photographer, and we were working for a magazine called I Heart Bikes. And we were traveling around the country, interviewing people. It was a fantastic magazine and it went under. So we found ourselves kind of in between jobs. And a friend of ours said, you know, why don't you go into design? Now, my husband is the creative one. I'm the wordsmith and he's more the designer. So well, we that's thought, creative you know, too. Your wordsmith is creative. It's creative, but not <laughs> in that way. But yeah. when we originally started, I was doing marketing and publicity. And someone asked if one of the ladies I worked for had a yoga studio, actually. And one of the yogis there said, do you know anyone who knows anything about books? Well, it just so happens that I do have a history in publishing. In fact, in the late 90s, I worked for a publishing company and I was the marketing director. So I was referred to her to help her get her book out into the world, basically to help birth her book. I didn't realize I was doing that, but we hired a cover designer and an editor and a website designer and all the things that an author will need, but don't realize they need. And I found that a lot of people weren't answering the phone or they would quote one price and then like any good contractor, it would come in at twice the quote. And I said to my husband, I said, why don't we just do this? Like authors have a need. Why don't we just help authors? So ultimately we started the company before we started the company. We were getting referrals and we were helping authors. And one thing led to another. Next thing I knew we needed a name and Monkey C Media came to us, as I said. And it's been an incredible journey. I love storytelling. I, I'm a journalist, but I'm also a writer. I'm also an author, currently working on my memoir. I'm also writing several business books right now. And someday I want to write fiction. So, you know, writing and reading has always been a great passion. It never occurred to me I could work in that industry when I was going to college. You know, I thought I would be a journalist. I wanted to be the next Diane Sawyer, actually. I wanted to be an anchor. So really, I feel like the path has opened up to us. We followed it. 
And it's been a lot of fun. And here we are so many years later. Now, as you know, and probably the reason we're having this conversation is personal branding is my passion. Yeah. And you, uh, I mean, this is a bit of a loaded question, but I've got to ask, uh, I love my wife. I'm not sure I can start a business with her. <laughs> you guys, I mean, I know it's been 16 years. You're still together. You're, you still have a business. Uh, were there moments you, you, either of you questioned that decision or, or thought maybe this isn't a good idea? No, actually good. we work really well together and I don't think that's common. I, I think we got lucky. Um, Chad and I kind of jumped into marriage just like we jumped into going into business together without really thinking about it pretty quickly. And we've gotten really lucky. We work well together. We complement one and one another in terms of our skill sets. And, you know, I tend to be the front of the business out talking to people in the marketing piece and the writing piece. And he's kind of behind the scenes making the magic happen, if you will. He's sort of the brains behind the duo, but we also have a team that I think is helpful. I will say this, we did have an offsite office for a, quite a while, for about 10 years. And we recently moved our office into our home. And Chad refused to be in the office with my assistant and I because we were constantly asking him questions. And he said, I can never get anything done with you, ladies. <laughs> so he has his own office. We're not allowed to interrupt him. If we have questions, we have to send him an IM or knock on his door. So I think that helps. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I'm, uh, you mentioned you know you have a team now, uh, and and so you're you know you've been very successful in growing Monkey C to the point where where you have other people involved. So, so tell me what's the difference the difference between Monkey C and uh, Jennifer Thompson Consulting. So Monkey C Media is a design house. We have three designers on staff and programmers and copywriters and social media experts who do that piece of the business. And Jennifer Thompson Consulting is specifically working with authors looking to develop their personal brand for author marketing. So it's more the digital marketing strategy, the speaking, my books, all of those are things that really come from me. So we decided to separate them out. And originally it was helpful when I would speak to have my own website because people wanted to see that I wasn't just a service provider going out there trying, <clears throat> pardon me, trying to promote our business. Really, I was going out and teaching and I love teaching. It's always been a passion. I get, I'm nervous about it, I don't know if you do any speaking, yeah. but I still get butterflies. I'm still terribly nervous. I don't like the idea of being a keynote. I don't like huge, I don't want a thousand people in the audience. Like that's too much stress. I like sitting down with 30 to 50 authors in a small intimate space and really sharing knowledge. Like that gets me fired up and I love it. I love doing that. So that is the speaking side, which has turned into more consulting because a lot of people don't really get what personal branding is. Well, let's, let's define it. Let's, let's dig in a little bit. Um, what is your definition of personal branding? And maybe uh, what are sort of one or two things that you see consistently that are big mistakes for authors? Okay. So for me, personal branding is a combination of authority, personal style, 
and online visibility. So, you know, the authority piece of that is the content, the way in which you get your voice out there. It is books you've written, it's your credibility piece, it's the consistency of your messaging. The personal style is going to be the way you carry yourself, the way in which you personally give information, whether you're warm and friendly, or if you're more academic, or if you're stuffy, or if you're funny, or if you're irreverent, right? It's also a color that you might wear. It's the font choice. I personally believe a good brand needs style guides so that it's consistent. So we recognize Starbucks. We recognize UPS. We recognize those brands because they're consistent in look and feel. And the same is true for an author. Authors don't think about that. They don't even think, oh, I need a style. I need a logo. I need a color, right? But it's important to be memorable with our audience. And then, of course, that last piece, the online visibility. In order to get that online visibility, there needs to be a strategy. And I find that one of the mistakes many authors make is they go to a conference and they hear someone say, you gotta be on Facebook, you gotta have a blog, you need to be on Twitter, but they don't really understand why. And they don't understand how it can benefit them in the long end. You know, They don't connect the dots. They go through the motions, but they don't do it consistently. They don't do it with either a consistent style guide or a consistent voice. And so it's really just kind of throwing spaghetti at the wall. So for me, personal branding is connecting the dots of all of those things and having a strategy. And I tell people, you don't have to do it all. Maybe your audience isn't on Facebook. Maybe you don't have to be on Facebook. Maybe you don't need to be on Twitter. The key is to go where your audience is. So in my consulting, I walk people through a process of who are you, write down the core values, what is important to you? What brings you joy? What makes you happy in your work? We don't, we don't want to create a plan that's unsustainable. And if it doesn't bring you joy and stresses you out or creates chaos in your life, or if it's too much, then it's not going to be sustainable. So I talk to people about budget too. You know, what is your budget? Now, most people think money, right? But there's three parts to your budget, in my opinion. The first is, of course, money. How much money can you comfortably spend? And a lot of people will say, well, I don't know how much I need to spend, but I'll find the money. And I, I think that's a bad way to do it. Find the amount you can comfortably spend and then decide where you're going to spend it. And that's the time piece. The second piece of the budget is your time. How much time do you have to implement each of these strategies? Or do you have money to hire someone to do it? Or do you have time to do it yourself? And then the third piece, and ultimately I think might even be the most important, is your emotional budget. How comfortable are you on camera? How comfortable are you giving away information? How comfortable are you writing and blogging? If we're forcing ourselves to do things because someone told us we should, that's not sustainable, it's not fun, and it's not going to come across as authentic to our potential audience, right? So that was a lot of information. I no, can keep that's going. Good. That's good. <laughs> uh, is there a different approach for fiction versus nonfiction authors? I believe so. I believe there's a different approach for every author because everyone's different, right? So I don't have a strategy that's just going to work. It's not an out-of-the-box strategy that anyone can use. So what are your goals? What is your budget? Who is your audience? Who are the people influencing 
your audience? How can you get to those people? How comfortable are you in those circles? So for example, I might have an author who is nonfiction, maybe self-help, and they're going to find their influencers, the movers and shakers in that particular genre, and see what those people are doing. Are they giving TED Talks? Are they speaking around the country? Are they writing books? Are they blogging? Do they have a podcast? Is any of that something that you would be comfortable doing yourself? And the formula is really working backward from the end goal. So let's look at five years into the future. Where do you want to be? Let's just say that Brene Brown is the ultimate influencer in your genre. Well, what has she done over the past couple of years? Who is engaging with her and where are they engaging with her? And how can we create a plan and a strategy to create mileposts from here to that five-year goal? And that's the strategy. That's, that's what creates a personal brand that really works for an author that's sustainable, that's joyful, that's affordable, that allows you to spend time with friends and family, a lot of people are like, I'll do it all. I don't know about you, but when I first started in this business in 2004, the thing that was the most commonly heartbreaking to me was that 90 day fatigue. So an oh, author yeah. would release a book and they would spend so much money and so much time and so much heart and soul went into those first 90 days. And if they didn't attain whatever that vision of success was for themselves, they'd burn out. And that was it. And they'd stop promoting, you know, and that we discovered, gosh, when was it like maybe 2007, 2008, maybe even a little later that the, the long tail of success is really important for independently published authors in particular, but any author thinking long term, you know, it's not just this book, it's how do we connect with and engage with our audience. I talk about the three pillars of success for any author, and those are content, audience, and loyalty. So if you know who your audience is, you create content that they need and want that provides value to them, which in turn makes them loyal. So you really have to think about how am I going to find my audience, create a strategy to reach them, create a strategy to create content and continue to create content. A one book author is really a hard road to hoe, right? Yeah. How do you, as a teacher and, and a coach, how do you help people develop that brand? Like, for example, if, if I came to you as I am and said, I want to put a personal brand on writing like sweet, cozy mysteries, but I'm like a, mm -hmm. a musician and a heavy metal looking guy. And like, and you, you see me and you're like, like how much how far do you let me go versus giving me some, some guidelines to, to work on my brand? Like how much of the individual author's personality do you need to sort of preserve while still helping mm. them? Oh my gosh. That's such a good question because that's ultimately the first thing we do. So we break personal branding down into parts. And the first part is you, who are you? What are we actually selling? Are we selling books? Are we selling you? And for me, if a brand isn't authentic, it's not sustainable for you and the audience is going to see right through it. If we try and create this person that isn't comfortable or joyful, we're, we're just not going to stick with it. And then it's confusing. So are you really a heavy metal guy writing cozy mysteries? No, <laughs> I didn't not. think so. <laughs> but 
if that would be shocking to me because what I find is we tend to write what we like, right? So it tends, so I've heard people say, don't look to yourself as your potential audience. Well, I disagree. Ultimately, why do we write a book? We write a book because we like it. We either needed that book and it wasn't there for us, or we have found those books and we think we, we can do it better, or we have a different take on it. That's what makes us unique. What, that's what I'm looking for is what makes you unique? And you know what? That might be it. I'm a heavy metal guy. I've got long hair. I'm a little bit of a rock star. And I write cozy mysteries. Like I would really take that and build upon it because that's unique and that's different. So my guess is that the voice would have a little bit of that, right? So, you know, if you're punk rock, then make your brand a little punk rock. If you're heavy metal, then make your brand a little heavy metal. My feeling is that if we create a brand that's not authentic, it's going to attract people that we don't want to hang out with. You know what I mean? When I first started teaching, I always wore business suits, my lady suits, if you will. And I thought it made me look professional. I thought I was going to attract a certain type of clientele who was going to need my services. But you know what? It was attracting boring business people who I didn't want to hang out with and have a glass of wine with after a successful project. Why would I do that? Why would I attract people to me that I don't want to hang out with? You know, who I don't want to hang out with. So I started changing my look. I started being more authentic. Sometimes I swear a little. I tell jokes when I teach my classes. Sometimes I drop a couple words that, you know, might offend someone in the room. But if that's the case, that person I offend, good deal. Because now I don't have to worry about starting a relationship with that person and being someone I'm not. So I say, find that authenticity right out of the gate. Figure out what it is that makes you unique. That is your voice. You know, when we're speaking about fiction in particular, the brand has a lot to do with how people write. And I find that a lot of writers aren't able to describe their voice. If you can describe your writing in three words, what would it be? And that's one of the things we do. Irreverent, gritty, raw, okay? Funny, sarcastic, dry, intelligent. You know, Lisa C has a brand. I don't know if you know who Lisa C is. She writes fiction. She has a ton of books and she had no idea that she had a brand, but her publisher knew. So her books are all based on characters that are typically from China. She does a ton of research and she has a very flowery way about her language that verges on literary fiction. And that's part of her brand. That's the, that comes natural for her. She's not forcing herself to write in a certain way. That's just how she writes. So a brand is that thing that is you. That's just who you are. So let's develop it and let's make it work for you. And then the people who will become your loyal followers, they're going to find you. And that's the beauty of branding is when you start to connect the dots and you put that out into the world in such an authentic way, it starts to get traction. And then those people get excited. You know, we used to talk about viral marketing because someone gets excited about it. What do they do? They share it. They tell other people about it, right? And that drives more traffic to you and that builds your loyal following. So branding for me came out of my frustration with 
the work I was doing with my clients. So we were developing beautiful book covers and beautiful websites. And I felt like we were handing over the keys to a brand new shiny car. They would drive home that car, pull it into the garage, kill the engine, lower the garage door and never drive it again. <laughs> right? So they had a website because someone told them they needed a website, but they didn't know why. So that's so about 2007 is when I started talking about personal branding. And I started saying a personal brand is understanding who you are and your own value and your own worth. How do you want people to introduce you? How do you want people to know you? You know, the reputation that you're creating happens throughout all of your marketing collateral. It's your website. It's what you do on your website, which of course is based on the budget I talked about. How much time do you have to brand? How much time to blog rather? You know, whatever it is that you're adding to that story of you is building that brand. And I think it's really important for authors to know that a brand is never done. It's always evolving, right? We're always evolving as humans. We're learning more and we're picking up things along the way. And that's what I call connecting the dots of your personal brand. So that, you know, if, if we think about music, even musicians, you know, their, their freshman album is not going to be the same typically as their sophomore album, right? So we hopefully are adapting and evolving, but staying true to our own voice. I, I think that Sturgill Simpson is a really good example of someone who said, can I swear on this podcast? Uh, we, we I was just about out. to use a bad word. I was like, oh, I can't say that. He said, forget it. We're just going to do this. So he was country. He was known as country. He was, you know, really well known. And then he decided to come out with something that was a little bit more heavy metal. And, you know, he just totally did a 180. And I personally followed him because I, I like all genres of music. But that was pretty brave, right? I mean, it was such a departure from his brand that he was being true to him. And the long tail of his brand, I think, will prove more successful than if he had continued to try and put out music that wasn't exciting him anymore. Yeah, yeah. Now, you um, got so much, so much to think about. Uh, <laughs> you mentioned also you're writing a memoir and some business books. Can you tell me a little bit about your writing process? Do you, do you have a word count, daily word count? Do you write at a certain time of the day? Um, what's that look like for you? You know, I spoke with a friend several months ago. Actually, I interviewed him for my podcast, The Premise, and he told me a tip that he got from someone else, and it's 12 minutes a day. So I have adopted that tip, and it is it has really helped my writing in terms of productivity. Every morning when I wake up, I write for 12 minutes, and I set a little alarm. Now, mostly I'll go over. But if I don't have time, I make sure I write for at least 12 minutes a day. And it is amazing how much you can get done in 12 minutes. Yes. And if you, and then it stays you connected to the characters, connected to the story, so you don't have to pick up. What I used to do is I would write every Saturday. And so the first half hour would be going in and reminding myself, looking at my notes, figuring out what direction I'm going in. But if you write every day, even if it's just for 12 minutes, you don't lose that thread and you don't lose that feeling and that excitement. For me, depending on what I'm writing, my business books, I really have to force myself to sit down and write. When I'm writing my memoir, it tends to just flow out of me like a spigot. And I have to be careful because it can overtake my life. So 
I have to like limit how much time I spend on that and force myself to write the business books and get those done. And, you know, they're very different, but I will alternate sometimes my 12 minutes a day. One day I'll do superpower the next day. And superpower is my branding book that's coming out this year. And then the other one I'll write in my memoir. Most people don't write more than one book at a time. So I think juggling that is a, a challenge in and of itself. But the 12 minutes a day is one of the best tips I've ever gotten. And I'd also like to mention that when we're, when we're writing, we have to be gentle and kind to ourselves. And 12 minutes a day is a pretty gentle thing to do to keep yourself in the flow. Yeah. And it sounds so manageable. 12 minutes. like Right? Yeah. Yeah. What's, uh, what's the fiction dream? Uh, what genre, like you said someday, uh, what, what are you have, you have anything in mind? I do. I write women's, I would like to say literary fiction and they're typically coming of age stories. Um, think Barbara Kingsolver, jo Joyce Carol Oates, that type of writing is what gets me really, really excited. Elizabeth awesome. Berg. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, have I you simply started yet? I have three novels that are halfway done. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, so maybe, maybe you could start doing a six minutes and a six minutes every day. I don't know. Six oh fiction, my god! Six nonfiction. <laughs> so I've made a deal with myself. If I once I finish my memoir and my superpower book, I'm then going to start on one of my fiction books. Finish one of those. Stick with one while I'm working on another nonfiction business book. And, you know, I'll just always be writing two books at once. Yeah. Excellent. Well, I have, uh, I have, I have one last question for you. I hope it'll be interesting and fun and it's completely open-ended. You can answer it however you want. Uh, you've been in the industry for a long time. Uh, I'm, I'm curious if you have any thoughts on where the publishing industry is going. It's, it's undergone so much change over the past couple of years. Where is it headed? That's a great question. So the publishing industry, you know, I, I come from the music industry, by the way. So I watched the same things happen in the music industry that have happened in the publishing industry. And I think there's a lot of power that is being passed on to authors that used to be in the hands of publishers. So now with independent publishing, and by the way, I do call it independent or indie publishing, not self-publishing. I think self-publishing is a misnomer. You don't do it yourself, right. not if you wanna do it well. And, you know, authors are starting to realize that not only are there so many tools out there to do it well, and so many people who are offering, offering help, whether they're editors or designers or writing coaches, but also the tools of websites and so many ways to reach your market. You know, that personal branding strategy I talked about, if you can figure out where that audience is, there's a lot of power for authors. So... I do see that trend and with the pandemic that has happened all over the world, it has changed publishing and is going to leave a huge mark on the way we've done things. What's interesting to me is people used to be afraid of Zoom. People used to be afraid of podcasts. They were afraid of technology. You know, they, they hadn't gone there. Being forced to stay home due to COVID-19 has forced people to embrace technology in order to have that socializing, right? But it's also opening people's eyes to promotion and how we put ourselves out there. 
And I think it's going to make a big difference in the publishing world. I think it's going to get better. I, I heard someone say, well, I can't release my book in 2020 because COVID-19 has ruined releasing books. I totally disagree. I think that people are more captive. Perhaps that's not a good word to use, <laughs> but we do have a captive audience out there because people, they're not driving two hours to work. The things they used to do to spend their time, they're now at home in front of a computer and they're eager and they're hungry for good content. So I think now is the time to get your work out there. Now is the time to brand and strategize and really tap into what your audience is looking for so that you can reach them. So you can provide that content and gain loyal followers. You know, Amazon is sort of a beast. It's the elephant in the room. Amazon has made it possible for us to have distribution. Ingram Spark has made it possible for indie authors to have distribution and to actually get out there and get our audiobooks, our ebooks, and our print books to anyone in the world. There is nothing stopping us. When I started this business in 2004, we had a distribution problem. We could not get our books into bookstores. It was a real challenge. That is no longer in our way. I think the only thing that is in our way as authors, whether we are independently published, published through hybrid, or traditionally published, is ourselves. By not being organized, by not strategizing, by not paying attention, and not willing to embrace technology, that's what slows down the possibility for success. And I think all of that is broken wide open. 2020 is gonna change publishing for sure. And I'm excited to see what happens. All right, guys. So the first question I got to ask you is, are you going to start a business with your spouse? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> no. I was so glad you asked that <laughs> because I was thinking the same thing through that interview. I was like, how do they do that? I in, in a roundabout way, like my, my wife and I kind of do. I mean, because, you know, I, we both work from home, so we're both in the house all the time. And, you know, she's constantly helping me with, with various things and she's working on a book of her own. Um, you know, so to that extent, you know, we're, we're, we're together all the time. But, God, I can't imagine, you know, because somebody's got to pull power there, right? Somebody, somebody's in charge and on particular decisions, you're going to disagree. And like that, that just seems like a, a very, very scary situation. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've had conversations about that with my buddy, my buddy, Robert Crane, who's a really good fancy author. He uh, his wife is work they is in his business and she does like all their his accounting. She runs all his Amazon ads and everything. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's an interesting dynamic. Like and I think you really have to have a very specific sort of relationship to make, to make that happen. I, I don't think I'd be able to do it. So. <laughs> And, and so, a good good counselor on speed dial for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that aside, uh, some takeaways on personal branding and, and the approach. I, I was fascinated by by just uh, her thought process on this. Yeah, she had me at style guide. You yeah, know? <laughs> like, yeah. Because honestly, it's not something you, you normally think about. But I've got a couple people that work for me, and you know, I've got to explain certain things to them over and over again every time I bring in a new intern or you know a new assistant. You know, you kind of have to start that whole learning process over, unless you know one of the, the existing ones is able to do that. But you know, something as simple as just using a particular font. You know, like I, I would have never thought of that. Um, you know, yeah, that that stuff's huge. Yeah, yeah. For me, I mean, that was definitely one thing. Um, also her style guide talking about like your physical style and, and, and stuff. I thought that was really cool. Cause I think that that's something that, uh, you know, when she was talking about how you know, she 
dressed a certain way and she ended up attracting boring people, you know, because I have people tell me they're like, oh, man, you need to smile on your author photos and stuff like that. I'm like, no, <laughs> like the, uh, my brand is like this, you know, like it's similar to Jay, like I'm this bearded metal dude, you know, and but that's who I am. That's not like it's not I'm not putting on anything. And I think, you know, the reminder to to be yourself is really important. Another thing I really like that she said was, um, and this is something we've talked about, and but I think that it gets glossed over a lot and, you know, people don't say it enough is um, you don't have to do stuff just because people, like the assumption that you you have to do something, you know? Um, and, and you know, she, t- she talked about specifically with social media, you know, people be like, well, you have to be on Facebook. No, you don't. Yeah. <laughs> if you if you don't enjoy being on Facebook, then you don't have to be on Facebook, you know. And, and that doesn't work for everybody, and it's not going to work for you necessarily if you don't enjoy being there. People are going to be able to see through that. Um, and and so I really enjoyed her bringing that up because again, I think that's something that gets kind of glossed over a lot, and I think is really important. Well, just to touch on that, like the the style thing, there there's there are companies out there that will actually help authors with that. Um, you know, if, if, if you're, you know, you're, they'll help you basically cultivate an image. Um, if that's what you're looking for, um, right down to your clothing and haircut and things along those lines, they'll coach you on, um, you know, how to do an interview, you know, that that's such a foreign, foreign thing. I mean, or even just how to get on a phone call. Um, you know, I, I talked to a couple of friends that had done this kind of thing at the, you know, when I first started, but like, you know, the first time you're put on the phone with like Ron Howard or like I was like, you know, you just get flustered, you know, like, what, what do you say to this guy? And like, there, there are people out there that will walk you through that and kind of help you deal with that kind of thing. And, and all those little pieces, they all kind of add up to, you know, obviously your, your, your perception or your, you know, your perception to other people and your, the, the character that you create, the person that you are, like all of those things all, all add up. And, you know, you, you could either have a hand in creating that and steer it in the direction you want it to go in or, or maybe not. Um, but that, that's, that's very important for sure. Yeah. yeah I, I mean, it's for all creatives, not, not just authors either. I think everyone who's, who's doing any type of creative work needs to be considering this. Yeah. And, you know, honestly, not, not only what to say, but what not to say. You know, that that can be just as important. I mean, we, we see it in the news, you know, like today, you know, more more than ever, you know, little tidbits, you know, tweets that were put out 15 years ago coming back to bite people and, you know, comments made in passing and things taken out of context sometimes. Like and any one of those things can come back and, and get you at any time in the future. Yeah, I, I remember when like Facebook first came out and, you know, like people just were posting their, their various, you know, going out to parties and stuff when they were younger and things like that. Like every single thing that you do is, is online and it's documented and timestamped nowadays and it can come back and bite you. Well, and I remember even when, you know, when Jay and I were starting the career author, I remember one early conversation we had was like, should we cuss, <laughs> you know? And, yeah. and, and, and I think at the end of the day, I think that having that explicit mark next to our episodes might've hurt us a little bit. Like, I, I think it probably did, but we were us and we were attracting the, like the people who were listening to the show, like got to know us and understood that. And I think at the end of the day, I think it paid off, you know, but, but, but decisions like that, you do have to think about, you know? Yeah. And a lot of people probably don't have that conversation. It just sort of happens, you know, and it, and it, the same thing carries over for phone calls. You know, if you're going to be on a business call, like you, you know, police your language a little bit, or do you just be yourself? You know, it's a, it's a difficult thing, but you, you need to figure all these things out, you know, before you, you get out there, because once you open your mouth and put your foot in it, it's, it's too late to take it back. Yep. Yeah, that's true. So it was a great conversation um, with Jennifer Monkey C Media. It looks really interesting. Definitely something worth checking out. And um, even if it's not her agency, I think it's, it's something um, most authors need to be considering. 
Uh, so next week, I believe we have a friend of yours coming on, J.D. Yeah, we've got Alma Kitsu. Um, she's got a, a new book coming out. Um, actually, it's already out. It just came out, I think, last week um, called Red Widow. Um, and and I'm, I'm about halfway through it, and it's fantastic. You know, she finally, for people who don't know Alma, um, she's a, a great person to talk to. Um, but she used to work for the CIA. Um, which always gets me because she's like four foot nothing like she's you know really short like she just she doesn't look what you know like you would expect you know when you think CIA operative or CIA employee um, but the knowledge base behind her is just insane you know that the things that she's been involved with and what she's allowed to talk about and can't talk about you know if you read between the lines and just she's a fascinating person um, but her first two books that she put out were more along the lines of horror um, you know not necessarily cap you know capitalizing on well, that's probably a bad word to use but you know she didn't really bank on her um, her actual experience and you know the, one of the first things people always tell you is write what you know right and you know th this is the first time she's actually out there writing a, a book that's in that world and it's you know you can see it like it's, it's a it's a different level yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to it and she will officially be our first returning interviewee so that's going to be fun too <laughs> nice all right can't wait all right to our listeners, make sure you go to writersincpodcast.com and grab the free revision masterclass where you can see the storytelling process from beginning to end. We'll see you next episode and have a great week of writing. Thanks for listening to this episode of Writers Inc. Access the show notes and leave a comment at writersincpodcast.com.